So just so we're aware, right? Um, Fantasy Football League. Yeah. You're bottom now. Am I back to the bottom? Yeah. Because I, I was second from bottom for a little while ahead of yours yourself. Yeah, and now I've got above you. I you- actually had this I actually had the third best week. Wow. Out of everyone. I had one of those frustrating weeks where the players I took out this week performed really well. I um, dropped Kyle Walker to my bench because he hadn't been getting many games recently and then he got a goal and an assist and some bonus points. Which is Done really well there. Done really <laughs> yeah. well there, yeah. My players come through for me. I had Aubameyang, Abraham, Mane, Robertson. They wow. all scored. Yeah. yeah you uh, no one else really done got a got a uh, clean sheet but but yeah so anyway I don't think many would have predicted the weekend would go as it is. There was a couple of upsets in say Manchester United looked like they were back to form, lost again. Um, both the league leaders, well, the two teams at the top of the league, both had to come back to win the games. Um, what else happened? There was huge drama in the Everton-Tottenham game yesterday uh, with a, a real horrific injury. Um, and a controversial red card off the back of it. Um, and what else happened? What what other significant moments? Well, Newcastle beating West Ham away, I think it's a big result. Oh yeah, wouldn't have expected that. And Sheffield United powering past Burnley. Yeah, I... I'm starting to believe that Sheffield United are a really good team. They've got the most clean sheets in the league. Incredible. Mm. Incredible. Just just quickly, I want to go back to something that you said a minute ago. Yeah. Which is, which is be a good little starting point. Mm-hmm. You said there was a few shocks this weekend. Yeah. And then, and then started with the Manchester United-Bournemouth game. Are you saying that's not a shock? I'm saying that I'm not sure it's a shock. Okay. Uh, would you would, would you go whole hog and say that that's a shock? Well, I'm just judging it on um, Manchester United's last couple of games. Although that most games a team like Manchester United should be winning, um, we have won our last few games, and it would seem with the return of Anthony Martial, maybe we're going to be back to a little bit of form. Um, frees up space for Rashford to do what he does best, which he hasn't been doing because he's been playing as a lone striker. I just thought all was in place for us to turn over a new leaf and start performing again. Um, So with that in mind, I thought, yeah, we should, we have what it takes to beat Bournemouth. And then we lost. I mean, it's very, it's very, it's a bizarre situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And and if, I don't know if you saw the um, the post match interview of Ollie. He looked genuinely upset, mm-hmm. and I, I don't quite know where I don't quite know where they go to be honest. Because 
the way I look at it now is Bournemouth is beating Bournemouth is not a foregone conclusion for Manchester United now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't actually go, I don't actually go into a game now. Like I wouldn't bet on Manchester United during any game. The only game I'd probably bet on them is to draw against us because that's what always seems to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but apart from that, I don't. Which is kind of a damning mm-hmm. indictment because even the Norwich game, yeah. you know, pundits alike, pundits alike were still saying this is you know going to be a tough game. Yeah, and I mean, I know obviously I know you won, and you know it's a good result and all that, but it's still. I mean, I don't know about you. You can tell me because you know you're a fan. Do you ever go? Do you ever go into a game now thinking, yeah, we've got this? Um. Well, more for me for for thinking it in this game in particular. I thought, yeah, we've got this against Bournemouth, but I guess reality hit me in the fact that we lost, and the reality is that tactically we're inept or more so tactically Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is inept because I don't think any would argue we have good players and a good squad but where we're going wrong is tactically like still players don't really know what they're doing we're not making plays as in rarely do you see nice little one-twos being made rarely do you see players running off of each other and teammates instinctively knowing where to hit the ball we're just a bit lacklustre still in tactically. Um, and maybe going back to what you said about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer looking sad, maybe that's him acknowledging that his time is very limited at the club if things remain the way they're going. So just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. With you saying that Ole's t- tactically inept. Yeah. I thought it you that Jose Mourinho was one of the most technically, like tactically gifted managers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think where where Mourinho's concerned, I think that tactically he's, you know, can be a genius at times. Yeah. And it still didn't work for him. Is it not a mindset thing? Is it not something that, you know, it might even be a player power? I know Ollie is a legend at the club, but I mean, players don't really care about that now. I don't, I don't feel like he, you know, he's a new manager. I don't actually, he would command respect as a player, mm-hmm. but does he as a manager? Well, I think this is the thing, um, Dare I say it, like, I wouldn't mind having Jose back now. But I think what fell flat for Jose was that the players kind of turned against him a bit. And he still was and still is a tactical genius. If the players don't um, do as he says and kind of fall in line to his, like, tactical setup, then, no, it's just not going to work. Um, whereas Ole, on the other hand, I feel like the players probably respect him, but equally have nothing... Well, they're not being told what to do correctly. So they may listen to him, but listening to him isn't achieving anything. I just feel like it's a very thin line mm-hmm. between between tactically inept and not having the motivation to play because they're still pulling out the same performances as what they did under Mourinho. Mm. It's still, quite honestly, it's pathetic. Like, and... What a hurt. You, you have, got a good squad yeah but it's just like I said like I said the, the the most down indictment I can give Manchester United is that I would never and I don't ever go into a game thinking they're going to do well in this they're going to 
they're going to do well. And it doesn't matter who they're against. Yeah. Because you always know that there's that option for them to just, just be bad. Hmm. I mean, also without, well, let's not forget Bournemouth played well and all credit to Bournemouth, all credit to Josh King, um, who is from Norway. And apparently, I'm not sure how true this is, but he was spotted by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and brought to Man United in 2008. Never played a league game for us. Did about five different loan spells in five years. Then joined Blackburn. Later down the line, joined Bournemouth. And now has come back to haunt us and haunt Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on Halloween by scoring a pretty good goal, to be fair. Yeah. And the thing is, and, and what I will say is that all credit to Bournemouth, because I am looking at it from a Manchester United point of view, which is kind of a little sour because this is a big win for them. Yeah. Um, and they, they they are a good side. Like they play they play football. Like we say every week, you don't know what you don't know what Bournemouth you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You could get the one that beats Man United, or you can get the one that gets battered by someone like Burnley. Yeah. Um. I am. A big fan of what Eddie Howe's trying to do. I just think that consistency is going to be their main killer. Yeah. Uh, with United, I think the worry should be more with them. Yeah. Like I said, it just it just doesn't create for a good, positive environment. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not bothered by it, but I just think that it's kind of for once in my life. I feel sorry for Manchester United. Wow. Actually, actually, I don't even feel sorry for them. I actually really enjoy it. But from a, from a point of view of embarrassment, I kind of feel sorry for them because it is getting embarrassing. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because in other games this season, I have felt a bit embarrassed. But you can probably tell in the tone of my voice, I feel more so unfortunate in this game. I don't think we got battered by Bournemouth. I think we were a little bit unlucky. And, you know, even teams that go on to win the league will, will lose a couple of games, maybe. Maybe not in yeah, the last couple no, of seasons. I, but I, I feel like this is one of those games that, like, we probably should have won, but we lost and we keep it moving. I don't think this is an alert of, like, a real meltdown. I think the, I think the meltdown started a little while ago. Yeah. If anything, I think Personally. we're on the way back out of a meltdown, even with this loss. I think there's certain signs to show that it's slowly clawing our way back to how we should be performing. That's a big shout, and we'll look to see how they deal in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, a team um, that is melting down, I think, I'm not sure if you'll agree, but a team that I think is melting down is Tottenham Hotspur. And oh, we've been could, talking about Manchester United more, all season, yeah. but they're actually below us in the league, Tottenham. Which is madness. Yeah. Um, incredible yeah, can I just game. Note that that is only on goal difference. Still, I mean, this yeah, is... I just a, want to note that. This is a team that was Champions League final last season. So if anything, the expectation for Tottenham at the start of the season was higher than the expectation for Manchester United. So considering, Agreed. Agreed. considering if we're like comparing the two, I reckon Tottenham are in a worse uh, situation currently. A worse plight. Yeah. Good choice of terms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I am 
the human thesaurus. So yesterday I didn't watch the game, but I listened pretty avidly on Radio 5 Live. Um, and the commentators throughout the whole game just kept announcing what a horrible game it was. Um, when I watched the, the extended highlights later on in Match of the Day 2, I understood what they meant by horrible game. Um, first, of all, first of all, I think Everton deserved to win. Um, there was, yeah. I think Everton generally were the better team. There was a few decisions as well, controversial decisions, VAR, etc., that didn't go Everton's way that I think probably should have. Um, and I think ultimately the, the biggest talking point of the game was Andre Gomez's horrific Halloween edition injury, um, which led to Son Hyung-min, the nicest guy in football, uh, being sent off. Second, second nicest guy. Second nicest guy in football. Who's the first? Do you think you can get a nicer guy than Juan Mata? Oh yeah, he's pretty lovely. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, Juan. It's only Juan Mata. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> um, did you watch the game, Dan? Yeah, I, I did watch the game and it was bad. Uh, I mean, you say Everton deserved to win. Mm-hmm. I mean... Neither of them were very good, to be honest. Mm. Um, with the injury, and I think we're going to come on to VAR in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think it needs to be spoken out again, which is kind of boring, but kind of not, because it's kind of proven me right. I said that VAR, that I don't like it, and it's kind of making me look good at the moment. VAR is the new Brexit. Oh, honestly, can you imagine if we take us out of Brexit, the world will go in meltdown. I think Brexit should go to VAR. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, so the the tackle, there wasn't really a tackle, was there? Well, it was a sort of mistimed challenge. Yeah, but there, maybe, there was maybe a, a there yellow was a, card. They were coming together. It was a coming together that you could maybe warrant a yellow card for, but there wasn't anything major, was there? It was, and and I mean, me and you spoke on the phone before this, yeah. um, and you, amongst other people, have given Sir Julia a bit of a bit of a blast in for it as well. Yeah, um, because he came in late, but he didn't do anything either. Yeah, by the looks of things, it's it. Andre Gomez has caught his foot in the turf after the the clash from Sun, mm-hmm. and that is what has completely ruined his ankle. Yeah, I mean it was horrible um, to see. You saw the the distress from the players on the pitch. It was yeah, it was. It I mean, was I'm not normally squeamish. Like I see blood, I'm not normally squeamish, but for some reason that like really was painful to see. And I, you know, I've. I feel really sorry for Andre Gomez and them yeah, I mean it, it was incredible. And we, mm. yeah, we wish him a speedy recovery. Mm. The, I think the the biggest talking point, barring the fact that Andre Gomez's ankle looked like it was in about fourteen pieces, yeah, was that Son got a red card for this. Mm. I I thought that's such a heat of the moment decision. A statement was made to suggest that, 
you know, initially a yellow card was given. But a statement was made to suggest that because of the severity of the injury, that's what warranted the red card. So I just find it really interesting that a red card has been given because of the injury and not because of the challenge. Which is completely wrong. Mm. If me and you are running side by side and I shoulder barge you mm-hmm. and you you fall awkwardly and your foot goes in a 90 degree angle and I get sent off for it, I'm, I'm effectively sent off for a shoulder barge. And that's very unlikely to happen because I'm quite strong, just for the record. I mean, yeah, well... <laughs> We'll get well. That's something we won't get onto later. Cause that'd be awkward. Um, and if I mean, it's just weird that VAR is causing so many issues, and yet that could have been something that could have rectified a bad decision. And they, but wow, well, I don't know if they chose to use it or not. But nothing come back from it, and Tottenham will obviously appeal and should win because if they don't, it's a travesty. Well, I because was although although he, although he was a part of it, he wasn't at the same time. Yeah. Well, I was I was led to believe that initially Martin Atkinson, the referee, gave the yellow card based on what he saw, and then what was advised from the VAR team was to give a red card. But at no point did he obviously see the challenge again, which was the case for an pretty much all of the incidents throughout the game, Martin Atkinson once again did not go and look at the monitor. But I think something like six minutes was spent on a penalty decision. I can't remember which penalty does, um, uh, yes, it was. Yes, I know about this. I know about this. So um, Son got challenged in the box and yeah. went down theatrically after, after a challenge. Yeah. And VAR ruled it not to be a penalty and then they review to the review. Oh my God. Surely Martin Atkinson should say, review the review. If so anyone's doing I, the review. I personally, I, I don't like Mark, Martin Atkinson. I just, I don't think he's a, a very good ref. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to say, you, you come on to him a little, in a little bit, a detail in a bit. Mm-hmm. However, um, it's been circulating in the news that the referees have been told not to go to the monitors uh, by the chief of referees, Mike Dean. No, sorry, not Mike Dean, Mike Riley. Um, telling the referee and, to not look at the monitor, that's like telling yeah. a engineer not to use a spanner. Yeah. So basically what's happened is, is, they will um so what sorry let me start that again what happens is is that mike riley has come out and said that using the monitors will take up too much time it will slow the whole process down despite the fact that it probably would have been a quicker process if if martin atkinson would have ran over to the monitor had a look seen the issue and then said it was not a penalty but Mike Riley has said that on a standardised level, well, on any level, re- referees should not be looking at the monitor. They should be leaving it down to the officials in Stockley Park, which is incredible to me. I remember the World Cup uh, last year, 2018, 
the men's World Cup finals, I I believe that little, few people would say that VAR didn't work in that tournament. And in that tournament, it referees ran over, had a look at the monitor, came back on the pitch, did the little gesture, the square, big fish, little fish, cardboard box gesture, and then pointed out whatever the decision was. And I thought it worked quite effectively. I actually quite enjoyed VAR in the World Cup, dare I say it. It worked, it worked nowhere near as bad as what it is now. Yeah. Like, there's no point in bringing VAR in if you're not going to let it do its thing. Yeah. It's it's ruining the game. And I'll tell you what, I'm just going to talk about it now. I am... The Firmino goal. Yes. The armpit. What? What was that about? How how can that be a judge to be offside? Well, I mean, his armpit was offside. It was clear and obvious that his armpit was beyond the player. And I think the rule is if any is. part of the body that you can score with um, is beyond the player, then you're offside. And you can score with your armpit, apparently. Sometimes but if you it's score handball. with your armpit, surely you'd probably be, you'd probably be brought up for, for handball. <laughs> yeah. So it, it doesn't work. Like, they have, they've had so, it's just so many issues. And it, Chris Kamara, I listened to two separate people, Chris Kamara and Andy Gray talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of them said that that's the wrong decision. And it's almost like someone's looked for a reason not to have the goal scored, which is a massive, massive statement to make. Mm-hmm. Because if you're saying then that the, that these people at Stockley Park are wanting to deny a scoring opportunity by judging someone as offside, you take the whole of the VAR... What word am I looking for? Um, Importance or significance? The the trust. The trust that these people at Stockley Park will do the, the, the right and proper thing. Uh, I just don't get it. I just don't get how that goal can be made offside. I really don't. Mm. Um, having having your armpit offside is, I mean, it's the first I've ever heard of it. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, well, I always I thought it has to be a foot or a head. Like I said. Well, like, that's what I thought. Something, something you score with. I mean, I was never quick enough to be offside. So it was never really an issue for me. But looking back at it, it just seems like, yeah, if you, as long as, whatever you either did score with or could score with wasn't offside, then you weren't offside. Remember the days of clear daylight? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that had to be daylight between you and the last defender. Otherwise, the advantage is getting to the attacker. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes there was clear night time in between the players. Honestly, mental. It it seems like I always was under the impression that VAR is there to um, enforce the rules, but it definitely seems like the rules have changed as VAR has changed or VAR has been brought into play. Certain things like we'll probably get onto it a bit later or we probably skim past it, but the, the handball incident with Deli Ali, I, I don't really know what the rules are on handball there because five years ago that wouldn't have been handball. But there have been so many other incidents of recent where a similar thing has happened. The player has 
had their arm in an unnatural position, had their back turned or their face turning away. They knew little to nothing about where the ball was and it struck their arm and it's given. However, in this game, Tottenham Everton, again, it wasn't given. Um, I don't really know what the rules are anymore. And this is the thing. There was a game, was it the Man City game? It was a Man City game at the start of the season where someone had been adjudged to be, adjudged to have handballed it. And um, they weren't even looking at the ball. Was that, uh, what's his face? The one that looks like a cartoon. Jesus. Was it Jesus? <laughs> yes, I think so. Yeah. And it's just, so you can't, you can't do one rule for one and one rule for another. It doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. The VAR is bringing, almost, almost bringing the game into disrepute because it's just, it's not being consistent. Yeah. Uh, it's also not giving people enough information. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're not allowing the on-field referee to acknowledge what has gone on. Yeah. He has to, despite the fact that he was best placed and it's his mind that makes up all the other, you know, issues and, you know, fouls and whatnot, just let him have a look. Is, is, for, Do you think the referee or the stadium announcer has a duty to inform the fans and maybe furthermore the broadcasters of what is happening in the moment. Do you think they have a duty to say, yes, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. we are checking uh, an incident for a penalty decision. Bear with us or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, of course you should. Of course that should happen. You imagine being a fan and paying the obscene amount of money it is to go watch a Premier League game only for you to be in the dark for six minutes while they decide whether or not it's a penalty without actually telling you. Yeah. It's ludicrous. Mm. The fans are the lifeblood of this game. And they are the ones, they are the only ones that are left in the dark. Yeah. It's just criminal. And this is the thing, it's it's almost alienating fans as well. Yeah. Because fans don't know what's going on and you know, when they do know what's going on and, you know, their team scored a goal, they, it's almost like they have to wait for 30 seconds to see if VAR is going to rule it mm. off, you know, offside or that there was a handball or a foul. Mm. I think it needs to be scrapped. I think it needs to be scrapped until it's proper, properly looked into and sorted. And someone, you know, with half a brain cell decides that it's a good idea for the referee to have a look at the monitor when he's on the field of play. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, let's go back to the games. You, you started, you mentioned obviously the Firmino incident and um, that was part of a, a Liverpool game which saw Liverpool come back from a 1-0 down. Um, left it till the 87th minute, Dan. Uh, if you are a Liverpool fan and you suffer from anxiety, um, it's not the greatest time for you right now. Uh, but in the end, it will turn out good. It's really interesting, Dan. Liverpool are the team that have won the most points from losing positions this season. And I, I don't know what story it tells that you're in losing positions in the first place, but you're still winning games. Is that the sign of champions or is that the sign of a team who's lucky, a team who's resilient. I don't know. It's just interesting. Surely you would rather win a game outright 
then have to come back to win a game, right? It's such a 50-50 question. It's, I think it depends on who you ask. Yeah. I mean, because we are winning these games and we are picking up the points, it's almost like it's a, you know, it's a non-starter. We are, you know, get grinding results out like champions would. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is I've noticed getting through games throughout this season is that we are a little shaky and we are riding our luck. Mm-hmm. I personally don't like it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in that. I would, because I know a lot of people are like I would love, I would much rather play incredible football and you know not win every game. I would just want to win every game. Okay, like. Fair. I'm not bothered how we do it. Just do it. Yeah, I, I get it. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a Man United fan and I remember the years where we came back a lot to win leagues, Federico Makeda times, etc. Um But it, it makes a very like hesitant spectation as a fan. And I don't know if it suggests there's a problem at the back. The fact you're still conceding goals. Um, does it suggest that? I mean, you've got, one of the best keepers in the world. You've got probably the best defender in the world in Van Dijk. Some excellent wing backs, but you're still conceding goals. So I don't know if it's me or not. And other people might be able to tell me, you might be able to tell me, but I feel as though we got into a habit at the start of the season and in pre-season of playing a high line. Yeah. Wing backs are essentially like wingers. Yeah, but even the, even the centre backs were sort of pushing up high. Yeah, and sort of closing the space. The issue of that is, is obviously you are more prone to a counter attack. Yes, I I'm of the belief that after a few games with Adrian in the side, mm-hmm. they decided very quickly. Well, after a few games that maybe this isn't the best way to go. Maybe this isn't the best, best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's stay more compact. But since Alisson's, you know, they get the first game that Alisson come back in, or first two, it looks like we're going back to that high line. Mm-hmm. It looked like a high line against Villa. Um, I think there's clearly... I think there's a high line against Villa. Yeah. There's and a... I... I Go on. I think that's the thing. That, I think that's the thing that worries me is that I don't think we're good enough to play high line. Hmm. I don't know. I our, think our, our fullbacks are our fullbacks are brilliant, but Trent needs to defend better. Yeah. And that you, you defend defending as a defender should be your bread and butter. That should be what as good. He's amazingly good going forward. Mm-hmm. But at the back, he's still got so much to learn. Yeah. And there's a lot of defensive naivety. Yeah, and I just feel like that's we're gettable, and I think that's why we get to lose in positions, is because people know they can get us, so they'll try. And we have the resilience, the know-how, and also just the bombardment. Yeah, fitness. Just, fitness is second to yeah, that. going through it to get the win. Yeah. That's the thing, like Liverpool really bombard teams right until the very end. I think they're also top of the table in terms of 
late goals scored, goals like post 90 minutes. Just unbelievably resilient. Did it against Man United, that goal for Lalana came late. Um, there's been countless times this season where Liverpool have like scored really important goals late on. Um, which is testament to like a great team. Your resilience and your, your heart is honestly second to none. Um, and thus far, it has been enough, but considering you're conceding goals against Aston Villa early in the game, against Tottenham early in the game, does that show signs that like you're going to slip up somewhere along the line and Man City are going to pip you? The, 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 the hope is that we, we recognise it mm. and we try and we try and sort it out, but I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely a 50-50 issue. Shout out to Aston Villa though, because I mean, they put up a fairly good performance against a team they were probably never expected to to get anything against. Um, but they scored early and defended as hard as they could. They weathered the storm for the majority of the game before you know eventually going down and losing the game. But um, I felt really sorry for Villa come the end of the game, if I'm completely honest. I felt sorry for them because they, they put a lot in. Um, nice segue, actually. I equally felt sorry for Southampton, who suffered a sort of similar thing, and Southampton especially, considering they're coming off the back of a a record-breaking defeat to Leicester last week. Um, to go up against Man City was literally against all odds, and to hold them back for as long as they did only to concede two goals and lose the game. Um, shout out Kyle Walker, who played an amazing game and was involved in both goals, scored the winner and assisted the, the equaliser. Uh, like I said earlier, I took him out of my fantasy squad and put him on the bench and missed out on those 14 points. But yeah, <laughs> as an yeah, overview, that I, game I'm was l- I'm Unlucky. Unlucky, yeah. Unlucky buddy. As an overview, that game was it was really interesting on Saturday because there was a stage where both the two title challengers, Man City and Liverpool, were were one nil down, um, and I think it was City to to strike first and get their equaliser. And there was a sort of moment on Saturday afternoon where myself and I'm sure a lot of other people thought, "This is it. This tells the tale of how the season's going to roll out. Liverpool are going to slip up at some point. City are going to come back." from whatever slip-up they go through, whereas Liverpool might not be able to come back. But then, obviously, eventually Liverpool did. Um, Does City coming back against Southampton suggest a similar work ethic and heart to Liverpool in City? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing really between them, is there? And this this is why I still don't think the titles won or the titles lost because of how devastating both teams can be on their day. Yeah. Relentless. If Robertson and Mane hadn't have scored, City would be, what, three points behind us? Mm-hmm. They were only nine a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago. Yeah. I, I've People read far too much into it this time of year. You still think it's too early to, to say yeah. how the league's going to yeah, pan it's out? Yeah, definitely. Definitely too early to say. Okay. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't. I wish it was done and dead and buried, but it's not. Yeah. We are a third of the way through the season, but yeah. 
I get it. It's hard, it's hard to kind of tell. Again, like I said, um, Aston Villa put in a really good performance and didn't come up with the win. As of Southampton, it was a lot more spirited than it has been, especially last week. Um, they defended intensely for as long as they could, but inevitably the irresistible Man City came out on top. Um, another team I want to talk about, Dan, is Leicester yeah. City. They beat Crystal Palace, who aren't a bad team. Um, convincingly as well. Convincingly. I definitely think they're without doubt the third best team in the league, as the table will show. But I think based on current form, they're probably the best team at the moment. Like that's a, see, that's a really big statement. When I say team, I mean like the players know each other. The team cohesion is on point. Vardy is the talisman who gets the goals. Madison seems to get better and better as that that playmaker in midfield. Soyanchu is looking incredible. Tielemans is great. Their wing-backs, Chilwell, Pereira are excellent. Kasper Schmeichel is a great goalkeeper. Leicester City are, without doubt, just at this current moment, somewhat flawless team, dare I say it? Okay. Flawless. And I mean, the the only games they've really lost this season have been against the biggest clubs. Against smaller clubs, they they wash, wash them away. I mean, it's just a very big statement to make. That, that, that's all. I mean, considering that the last time that Liverpool lost in the league was... I'm trying to find it now. I don't actually know when the last time Liverpool lost in the league was. I don't know either. And, and that's the thing. Like, I think it's Man City. It's Man City. Mm. Um, and we have been, you know, despite that, I think I think Leicester's performances over recent weeks has been probably the best. Well, even Still, Leicester's loss to Liverpool was very unlucky for Leicester. No, no, agreed, agreed. It's it's but it's hard to say if Liverpool were the better team in that game itself. I think it. I mean, I completely get what you're saying. I think it's just we were able to do it, and I think that that's. I still, and and Man City have done so well. Hmm. I mean, I know they've had a few slip ups this season, but on the whole, they're still chasing our tails. They're still such a good side. Performance wise, I probably still put Leicester third. Fair enough. And even Chelsea, and even Chelsea are doing so well now. Mm. Like Chelsea are playing some scintillating football. Yeah, it definitely seems like with Chelsea, Pulisic has finally arrived. Um, he, I mean, he was brought in to fill the the boots of Eden Hazard, which are like huge boots to fill. But I mean, he's firing Tammy Abraham, filling the boots of I don't know what maybe uh, what's his name Morata. Wow, who's before Morata? Who's the one that everyone hated again? Costa. Diego Costa, yeah. I don't think Chelsea have had like a an on-form striker since Diego Costa. And I mean, Tabby Abraham is killing it. Um, 
Here's, a, here's an interesting How question did? for you. We're talking about Leicester. We're talking about Chelsea. Who would you rather have in your squad? Jamie Vardy or Tammy Abraham? Oh, I'd rather have Jamie Vardy. Interesting. I, the only thing that goes against Vardy for me is his age, but Vardy is tried and tested in the Premier League. Mm. That's who, what about you? who would you go from? Um, I think I would... Ooh, it's a tough one. Um, well, I'm thinking about it from like a, an England squad perspective. So I'm thinking who would fit into the England squad better. And... Oh, man. I, I probably would say Vardy too, because like you said, he's tried and tested. He scored, I don't know, 15 plus goals over the last however many seasons. Yeah. Um, and he can he can really make something out of nothing, more so than Tammy Abraham. He can, unlock, he, he can unlock a pace with his defense. Yeah, with it. Sorry, he can he can unlock a, a defense with his pace. Yeah, he can unlock a pace with his defense. Yeah, I've done well, <laughs> well there, and I I've done so well. Um, what I was going to say to you also is I don't think we can talk about the Chelsea game without mentioning Jorginho's assist. Ah, oh, delightful pass that was. And I give him a lot of stick, but boy, has he been good this this season. He's, I think he's finally, ironically, we know what he's about now Sari has left. Mad though, isn't it? It's so ironic, yeah. But now I'm starting to like, like you, maybe get him a bit more. At first I thought he makes loads of passes, but what does that mean? I can play the safe pass every time and not give the ball away. What does it mean? But this season he seemed to like... His passes are a bit more... There's a few more killer passes within the passes he's making. Yeah. Um, and Nothing seems to... It doesn't always seem to be, you know, to the side or... Yeah. Yeah, he's really... He's dictating the play a bit more. Um, Do you think, Dan, that the top four... I know you said it's quite early to say stuff, but does the top four look like that's the top four this season? There's six yes. points separating fourth and fifth, which is Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think United and Tottenham have a lot of ground to make up. They need Chelsea to lose 10 points. That's a lot. Um, they need Leicester to lose 10 points. Uh, bearing in mind that both teams are only two points behind Manchester City. Mm. So it's not like they're doing that badly. Uh, I, yeah, uh, Leicester will break into the top four this season. I can't see them having that bad of a run where they drop that many points. Yeah, and Arsenal were just so inconsistent. Yeah, Arsenal. I, you know, Arsenal are becoming a club that are at the top, but I easily forget about. I easily forget about them as like contenders for whether it be Champions League spot or definitely not title contenders. They're kind of, they're forgettable because they're so consistently good, but Average. never Yeah, they're, they're good. They're definitely amongst the best clubs in the league, but not the best club in the It's hard to explain, man. They're consistently fifth. They're just so fifth place. My big shout is I don't think I don't think Unai, Unai Emery will be the Arsenal manager at the start of next season. Okay. 
Uh, I just don't think he is the right person for them. I don't think he does enough for them. I don't think they... I think they could do better. And I think if they got better, they would be better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was a statement starting Mesut Ozil, which he hasn't for a long time. The fans were calling for that one. The fans were calling for Xhaka to be dropped, which he was. Um, you know, we, we spoke about that incident last week and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think like a, a real apology like statement has been made from the club or from Xhaka himself. Uh, Xhaka did post a statement explaining himself. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I can't remember if there was an apology in there. I don't think there was. Uh, which, which is amazing because he does, although I defended him to a degree last week, he still does need to apologize. Yeah. Being the club captain, you lead by example. And if that's the example that he's leading by Arsenal are knackered this season. Yeah. On and off the pitch. Yeah. But I'm not. It's kind of nice to say, but I'm not worried about Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, Aubameyang is a fantastic striker. And as long as he's in the squad and as long as he's scoring goals, I think they'll be all right. They, without doubt, have problems at the back. Um, Whether Ozil's in the squad or out of the squad is a bit... I don't really know what's going on there. Yeah, Arsenal are just Arsenal, aren't they? That's that's the best bit about them, isn't it? They don't seem to change. They always seem to be one or the other. Yeah. Good Arsenal or bad Arsenal. Yeah, which makes great entertainment. Not, yeah, there's not really consistent Arsenal, is there? No. Um, shout out Wolves as well. Uh, Raul Jimenez. It's good to see him scoring goals again because I think he's a wonderful striker. Wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah. Um, and I hope he scores a lot more goals this season because I am quite a fan. See, I hope he doesn't because I took him out of my fantasy team. Ah, fair so enough. So I'm always a little bitter every time that he slots one home. Yeah, I hear that. He was much in mind last season. I had Rui Patricio in my squad this week. I don't know why. I just thought, well, I thought Arsenal would take a lot of shots but not score. But That didn't work out well for you, did it? It didn't work out they well. Scored no, I scored in twenty just inside twenty minutes. So did just just going on to I, I really want to talk about Sheffield United. Yeah, man. They're a they're a good team, uh, aren't um, they? They look really disciplined. That was the most real, convincing win of the weekend. Yeah. Real hard working, real disciplined. Chris Wilder seems to have got it down to a T. Most clean sheets and, in the league. Yeah, which is which is incredible. If you would have said that, you know, Sheffield United after eleven games would have the most clean sheets. Conceded the least amount of goals in the league this season. Crazy. Mm. It's crazy. Um and I mean, on the road, on the road they're doing real well. Yeah. Only less only less only the top four have more points away from home this season. Mm. So, what, admittedly, what, what is it about Sheffield? With, is it the the tactical, the tactical approach so. to their game that's winning games for them? I 
I, I think it's the fact that they're hard working. Yeah. I think it's that they're not they're not taking the fact that they're a Premier League team for granted and that they're going for it. Because I'll be honest, I don't think before the season or even throughout the season I have been able to name say three Sheffield United players. Oh, I could. I, yeah, I could do that. I mean, two of them used to play for Oxford, so. Yeah, well, other other than those ones, <laughs> I mean, oh, Billy oh, Sharp oh, is a legend, oh. and Phil Jagielka is a legend, and I'm all, already running out. The McGoldrick. Do you just want to? Do you, I mean, not not to out you or anything. Can you can edit this out? But could you just name them two Oxford players for me? Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm a traitor to my own city. Who are the two Oxford players? Uh, George Baldock, the right back. Oh, okay. Yeah. And John Lundstrom, who scored two of the three goals yesterday. Uh, sorry, Saturday. Oh, I never knew he played for Oxford. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, there you go. So, <laughs> it's, it's they just, they look like they're just regimented in what they want to do, what they need to do, how they need to go about doing it. And it looks as though it's working. Defensively, they're solid. And I I am a big believer of if you're defensively sound, the rest will work itself out. Cool. Yeah. So I big props to them. Props to them. Big they're props def- to them. definitely staying up. Um, and at the moment, it looks very likely to be a top half. Maybe, dare I say it, Europa League finish season. I'm not going to go that far. I think they'll have a little bit of a fall and they'll finish bottom Behind half. Manchester United and Tottenham. No, probably just above them, but still bottom half. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur, two of the biggest stadiums. Is that the two biggest stadiums in the league, both in the bottom half? It is, yeah. That's yeah. absolutely outrageous. <sighs> wow. <laughs> Damn. Who knows? Any other games to um, comment on? There was a 2 0 win. Ryan and Hove Albion against Norwich, who remain at the bottom of the table, or second from bottom, just ahead of Watford. Um, and there was who a. Who they play this weekend? Who they play this weekend? So that'd be an early um, kind of relegation battle six pointer. Um, and Newcastle caused. Again, I'm not sure if this is an upset because West Ham don't don't perform as well as they should a lot of the time. They're quite inconsistent so, too. I I think this is an upset. Okay. Uh, I didn't expect Newcastle to come away with three points. Mm-hmm. Maybe a draw, but the three points away at West Ham, I, I, I just didn't really see enough about Newcastle going forward. Um, which they completely proved me wrong because um, St. Maximam Jolinton and Almiron were really good. They were really good. Their link-up play was very, very well done. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they continue that, I think Newcastle will be all right, which would kind of keep me while in my preseason predictions. What's interesting is only the three teams in the relegation zone um, have not won a game in five games, and West Ham are included in those teams not to win a game in their last five. 
mad, isn't it? Um, I don't really know what's going wrong for them. Uh, they've obviously invested in in good players, but they're just not good enough. It's I think I I, I I I don't think their defensive base is good enough, and I don't think that their attacking outlet is as potent as what it needs or should be. Yeah, to those, um, what was I going to say? I think since Upton Park um, was shut down, like a lot of stuff in East London seems to get shut down, um, things haven't been the same. Shut them. down? Yeah. Gent- West Ham got gentrified and things have got worse for them since. See, their last season at the Bowling Ground or Upton Park uh, was insane. They finished fifth, didn't they, or something like that? Yeah. Paye was killing it. They just had real heart, you know? People were forever blowing bubbles. Now people aren't even blowing bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) That is so eloquently put. I really struggled with something to say then. Honestly, that is terrible. Um, and I think that kind of covers the round. I think that kind of covers the roundup. Yeah. I have. I think. I think the big winners of this weekend are Sheffield United. Yeah. They collect the uh, W. The big losers. Uh, it's going to have to be Manchester United, unfortunately for me. Oh, that's that's sad. Um, I kind of want to say Tottenham, but equally they did manage to get a point out of this weekend. So as much as oh, they were losers, I'll... they still clung on to a point. Let's I'd... let's move on quickly. Yeah, go on. Let's just well, I just wanted you to move on quickly so you felt a little bit better. Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dan, it's been another week of uh, the Generic Football Show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember, you probably heard at the start of the show that I'm not doing so well in the Fantasy Football League. You know what, Dan? You're not doing so well either. You just had a good week. Uh, yeah, but I'm above you, so I'm doing better than you. And that's all that matters. Well, I'm calling out you know what people that makes me? who are bad. You know what that makes me, don't you? What does it make you? That makes me the, that makes me the best presenter. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not having that. That That makes me the worst presenter. That makes me like, you know, of, of, of the presenting team, the best. We're actually in a mini league on our own, me and you, and I'm winning. So I'm losing on two fronts. Wait, how how far ahead of me are you? Let me, I haven't actually looked at the league today. How far ahead of me are you? Massive, massively far. I am a whole 12 points in front. 12 points I can come back from. I mean, if I dropped Van Dyke and put, what's his name in my squad? Kyle Walker. Oh, what, to be fair, what's his name is decent. Who's that? Van Dyke? No, just just whoever you was going to say, what's his name? Just, yeah, you know. Kyle Walker. So I've got, I've got yeah. the league in front of me now. Here we go. I've gone one place down to 11th. So your joint, joint ninth position with Tom Williams. 
with 507 points. Nine. So technically, technically I'm ninth and you're 11th. How does that make you feel? Um, <laughs> not good to be fair. Yeah, unlucky, buddy. But what I wanted to say is particularly if you are bad and have, ideally if you have less than 495 points, please join our league. The code is PBBMXI. And just for those phonetic fans out there. Have you got phonetics for them, Dan? No, no. I, I love your phonetics. My phonetics. You are a king. Okay. It's uh, Peter Beardsley. Beardsley. Um, M- Milivojevic. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan. Jordan Shakiri. Um, Inzaghi. There oh, that, that Inzaghi. Was footballer's edition. Good save. <laughs> Good save. Nice one. All right, then, Dan. And on that note, we'll catch you next week. See you next week. Take it easy, man. <laughs>